Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg with you, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. It is just the two of us tonight. We are down Stephanie Burke and we are down the silent assassin Matt Costa, which is really, you know, the heart and soul of the entire show to be to be down him. Yeah, a technical guy. So we're basically pressing buttons and, you know, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> but that's all right. We'll find our way through the show uh, because we missed last week. Last week we came in. Uh, I got. I came from wrestling. You were out at something. I was out in the field. Uh, Stephanie was out in an event during the day, but she came here to meet me for the start of the show. We came in, basically just looking to get ready to go. One of the cameras was down all week long. I didn't have time to fix it and to replace it. I I just got to it before the show started tonight. Basically, just had to take an extra camera that I had and throw it in there, so we'd be able to at least have some sort of video representation. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll fight our way through it. Yeah, it's uh, I, I've, I'm I mean, I don't want to complain. I don't mean to complain, but I'm just I'm exhausted. No, I can I've been that. I've been working. I've been covering for uh, another position here at the station during the week, plus doing my own job. So I've been working, you know, twelve to fifteen hours every day. Oh, I've been sleeping three hours every night, and it catches up on me. Like today, I just I slept the entire day. I woke up uh woke up at about six AM to let the dog out, maybe five thirty. And then because now she's used to waking up earlier because I've been waking up earlier now for almost a month. So I let her out, she comes back in, I go back to sleep, wake up at ten. By twelve thirty I was asleep on the couch again, didn't wake up till six. Wow. So I think I had some sleeping I had to catch up on. Uh, technically isn't that more like passed out? Yeah. I think that's exactly what happened. I think that it's more of a matter of, uh, I think it's more of just eventually your body says, nope, you're done. We're not going any further with this. <laughs> so that's where we're at right now. But we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. And uh, and tonight, like I said, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a, a challenge with some of the video stuff, but we will have a weekend weird for you. Later on, uh, those of you watching on the live video, you'll you'll hear the week and weird. But uh, in order to see it, you'll have to go back and watch the edited version later. But it's or you can just watch the week and weird on its own. We'll upload that directly to the Spooky South Coast YouTube channel. But I wanted to talk. I wanted to throw something out on the table, which we'll discuss a little bit later on, and that is the responsibility of the paranormal world. And we we can look at that from being, uh, you know, ghost researchers, UFO researchers, Bigfoot, whatever it is that you look into, whatever weird thing you're into researching, and it can be one thing, it can be all of it. But whatever it is, the responsibility that you have to history and to facts, because I think that we have gotten into a, a, a habit now of saying, well, according to legend... Hmm. legend has it the way the story goes you know when we start putting all of those caveats into those those qualifiers into the discussion what we're doing is we're changing the history to fit the narrative that we're trying to create from the paranormal so i want to i want to discuss that and talk about you know we and i'm not saying one is right and one is wrong we'll be able to kind of talk it out and we're able to say Yes, you know, maybe the paranormal activity supersedes the history. 
because maybe we're just making it connected in our minds. What's that old adage? Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Right. What I like to call the Liberty Valence effect. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Mm. And that's what we do in the paranormal world. But one of the things that I find that happens more often than not is we're pushing aside the history because it doesn't fit the narrative that the paranormal research has created. And I, I, I usually get upset about that. But now I wonder if maybe in some cases that's warranted because maybe the two are completely separate. You know, we, we have a tendency to think that if we go to a house where George Washington once stayed, which is every yeah. bed and breakfast across New England, yep. but if we think <laughs> George Washington slept <laughs> here, it was built in 1972, it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, the more that we go through all of that and we, we hear that, then you go to the place and it has paranormal activity. Well, who says that it has to be George Washington. We just make these leaps in logic. And what happens is the the data comes back from the investigation. You know, we're using Echovox. And we're like, what's your name? And it says George Washington. Yeah. Then we're like, oh, well, we're definitely talking to George Washington. When, why would you have reason to? Out of all the places that he stayed, why would he choose to be there? And you know, we can even expand it out to be like, well, you know, maybe when he's passed away and George Washington can be anywhere and everywhere all at the same time. We don't know the nature of how ghosts work, but, mm. you know, we can we can get into all of those things as well. Well, what about if you don't really know what the true history is? There are plenty of things that we do, we really don't know. And there's plenty of places that we have written the history based on the paranormal research, which is yeah. even worse, I think. Because there's nothing to back it up. Right. It's you can go there and get the same thing again and again and again and again. It doesn't mean that it's actually the correct stuff that happened. I mean, the ghost can call us directly and try and tell yes. us the answers. You just tell them to call us back at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. We'll take your calls throughout the show uh, on this topic. Uh, but I think that it's something that is it's worth a discussion, and as I said, there's not going to be a right answer. There's not going to be a wrong answer. We're kind of just talking our way through this and seeing where it leads. The worst thing that we can do in terms of this discussion is is take a hard-line stance one way or the other. Right. Because, first of all, we're already saying, when it comes to history, we're already kind of taking somebody's word for it. You know, we don't know that necessarily... Let, let me just use this as an example, okay? There okay. have been paranormal television shows who have gone to locations, and I'm not saying any particular show, because I think it's probably happened to all of them. Uh, as much as the people behind the scenes try and research everything and, and get all the information and get all the right stuff that they can ahead of time, I'm sure that they're... I'm sure every paranormal television show that goes out and investigates these different locations has been, quote-unquote, taken by somebody. They're, where they, they get told this great story, and they do the research, and everything seems to come back to you know, this being true, but in the end, it's not true. For example, it's happened to us. You know, We've seen it happen with... And again, it doesn't mean the story isn't true. And by the way, we have to talk about Profile Rock. Don't let me forget to talk about I that. I won't. Um, but 
if you look at the story of the ledge, the okay. Asona ledge, we went into that, and I've told this story before, so I apologize if those of you listening have heard of this before, but when we started doing this show, and we started going out and sharing some of the stories of this area, we would tell the story of the Lady of the Ledge, and the story, the history... Well, the folklore. Like, let's, 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 let's start this off by saying, you have seen the Lady of the Ledge. I have, and I'm not alone. Several other, you know, dozens of other people have. Right. This is something that's been reported by numerous people for many years, but we're not just sharing a ghost story that we've heard. Matt Moniz had a personal experience. Not knowing the legend. (laughs) So when we're sharing this story, we have some factual basis to share this story. So we're, 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 we've told the story for now for a while. It was the early first couple of years of doing Spooky South Coast, but we've talked about it here on the show, and we've covered the Bridgewater Triangle, and we've gone out there and, and filmed videos and gone yeah. out there and, and tried to see if we could have it happen again and all these things. And so we go out and we give a, a, a lecture to the Freetown Historical Society. They ask us to come and give a presentation. We get up there, and as part of the presentation, we're telling the story of the Lady of the Ledge. And Matt Moniz is sharing his own personal experiences that he's had. And uh, somebody stands up in the audience afterwards and says, uh, you know, that's a cute story, except for one thing. That ledge exists because it was a quarry that was dug out in the early 1900s. So it wasn't... Late 1800s, early 1900s. I I thought he said it was like the 1920s or around that area. I I think that's when it closed. But in, at some point, yeah. they turned. It was. It was. There was a, a ledge there, but it wasn't anything like it is now. They dug that all out and turned it into a quarry. Uh, and so he's like, you know, there, there probably wasn't any truth to the legend of there being a Native American princess yeah. who was upset because her father, the chief, wouldn't let her, you know, fall in love. Wouldn't let her be in love with the white man that she had fallen in love with. And so, because she couldn't be with him, she threw herself off the ledge. And that's why she's seen roaming the top of it. Right. And there's variations on the story. Yep. There's variations on that same story around around the country. That's a comment. But, right. Yeah, but there's even but, variations on so the Freetown version. Right. But that, that was the story I was told. That was the legends shared to me by the locals that brought me up there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I've, okay. I've since heard that... Uh, because we talk about how people that go to that ledge and stand there and look over the ledge, you have this overwhelming feeling to jump. There's this moroseness that will come over you, the sadness, and you'll feel like you want to jump off the ledge, and that's why there's probably so many people, people that do. Have reported that, yeah. And and so I know there's there's people that I know and trust that are you know friends of ours that have said that they've you know I don't think he'll mind me saying Frank Grace, yeah, who is one of the happiest people that I know, but he said that when he has stood there and stood at that edge, he's felt like something is almost pulling him yep. from his stomach you know like pulling him to jump and so one of those versions of the story that i heard is that that's actually the curse of the lady of the ledge because the the uh, the white man that she was in love with was supposed to go there and kill himself too yeah and didn't show and so she felt betrayed by that so now everybody that goes there she wants them to go with her and join her so now we know there's been a number of deaths. There's usually sure. one there every year. Yeah, that's it, and that goes that goes without saying that there's and that and that ha- that's happened for but, decades. But now the question is: so we get up there and we we tell the story, and 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 the person says, you know, that was a quarry that was dug out, so it probably wouldn't have been something a Native American would have been able to throw themselves to their death from. Uh, 
during that time, during that era. So then the story kind of becomes moot. The legend becomes moot, but the the feelings that people have when they're up there and the experiences and the sightings that they yeah. have, they don't change. Right. Those are still happening. So what does that mean then if the experience of the paranormal phenomena that takes place there doesn't match up with the history it doesn't mean that it's null and void it doesn't mean that you know you didn't see what you saw and that frank didn't feel what he felt and that everybody else that's gone up there and had similar experiences didn't experience what they experienced so were we having experiences built off a flawed legend well that doesn't work in your case because you didn't know the legend until after you had your experience right so it's hard to, to, to you know, say that that is what happens, that people are going up there because they've heard this story, and then they have a confirmation bias going into it where they say, well, if I had something weird up there, it must have been the Lady of the Ledge because that's who's up there. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like it's separate, you know, different but same, as Mr. Miyagi would say. It's almost like the story can only exist because of the paranormal phenomena. But the story also can exist outside of the actual truth. Yeah, well, like I said, I was up there looking for UFOs. I was not in ghost mode, so to speak. And when I saw that woman, that's what I'm going to call her, because that's what it looked like to me for all intents and purposes was a woman standing in a light-colored dress at the edge of the precipice. When I turned around and said, we're not alone, I turned back and she was gone. I seriously thought, you know, I just saw, you know, a woman jump to her death here. Mm -hmm. So I went running over to the ledge, looked down, nothing. And that's, like I said, when those friends of mine started laughing. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell are they laughing about. And they said, no, that's the lady of the ledge. Oh, my God, you got to see her. And that's when they related the story. And this is something that they grew up with. And I know Brightman has shared the same legend with you. He's probably heard the same. I remember him saying roughly the same story. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not like we made this up. This is. Folk, sure. You know, this is folklore that's been there for, you know, longer than we've been alive. And, and you're wearing the Bridgewater Triangle the documentary T-shirt. You know, yep. when they were researching that film, they had numerous people that were telling them that they had, had encountered that. And how many years have we talked about it here on the air that other people have told us that they've had those experiences? But if it can't be true, how is it? Well, it may not necessarily be an Indian maiden, but it may be... You know, somebody in more modern times. It could be somebody that jumped from there after it became a quarry. Yeah. You know, but the story has still sprung up around it because the story is better than the actual truth, probably. Well, what I saw looked, it didn't look like an Indian maiden in a buckskin. It looked like a woman. The best way I could describe her dress, the way her attire, looked mid 40s. Looked like it was late 30s, early 40s type of dress. You know, that kind of... But there are other people who have sworn that they've seen an Indian princess up there. Yeah. So, it's that's it, just one example of what we're talking about, of where the legend and the fact kind of, they can intersect, and that's what we really want to have happen in what it is that we do, but more often than not, too, they can also diverge. Hmm. And if they diverge, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to throw it away. 
You know, that's what I think a lot of people will do that. They'll say, well, that doesn't fit the history. So it must be, you know, something that we're not really going to focus on or pay attention to. But that's because you're only going with one history. Every location has different paths of its history. Every place that you go to to investigate has multiple threads to the narrative. So if you go and investigate, for example, you know, the Lizzie Borden house. Okay. You're making the assumption when you go there that the activity that you will encounter will be based off the Lizzie Borden story. And probably it makes the most sense because paranormally speaking, it's the most powerful thing that has happened there. So if something's going to leave its imprint, it would be that. What part of the whole Borden story? What about, are we talking what happened with Ledwig Borden as well? We could be talking, Eliza? but the things that go on could have happened from the day the house was built to the days before there was a house standing there to that's what I'm saying. everything going that's going to- up today. Ledwick and Eliza, where the where Eliza killed her children, and the, where the property is with the well, you know the house was built afterwards, right? But the uh, well, I think no, I think that the Borden house was there at that point, but I think that it was somebody else living yeah. in it, and but yes, yeah, it's, it's where the it's where the print shop was, which is like where the the mm. the it's kind of like there's that little bit of space, right. and then there's the barber shop. You know, so that's that's what we're talking about. But the but the fact is, there was people that lived there before the Bordens, mm-hmm. and there was people that might have lived on that land before. I mean, I haven't done the, the far back research to what was there before that current house. Which what was it says it right on the front of the house. Was it eighteen seventy four? Yeah, that that house was built. Yeah, somewhere it, right. it says it right on the front. And I can't I can't remember the date. But you know what was there before that. And what was there before that? And what was there? Because we know that the Native Americans didn't go into that area when it was part of the Freetown State Forest, even though they could have gone in there because it would have been a beautiful place to go, Fall River, if you are a Native American, because what a place to go. You've got the Taunton River right there. You know, you've got this great spot where you could could fish and where you could, I mean, and, and I'm assuming... If I if I had to make an assumption, I don't know the geology of the area and what's changed over time, but I'm assuming that that was a pretty narrow crossing. Where because if you look like if you look underneath the Braga Bridge, there's not a lot of river. No, that the bridge spans over. It spans over a great deal of land. Right. Well, that's the reason why they built it where they did was the narrow one of the narrowest points across. So that would have been a great spot if you're a Native American to get across the Taunton River, because. You don't have to go as far. Like, you've got a pretty narrow mouth there to get across. So that would have been a place that you would think that they would frequent. But they didn't. They stayed away from that area because there was something there that they felt was, or at least so the legend has it, and well, you'll hear that quite a bit tonight. So the legend has it, that was a place that had a lot of darkness and negativity that they didn't want anything to do with. So, you know, we're talking about a history that could go back all that far. So then we're making the assumption that when we go there, that it's the Bordens that we're interacting with, when it it could very well not be. Because there's such a history there that could be leading to what goes on. And then we can kind of get into, well, maybe whatever's there says it's the Bordens when it's not, and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is we we look for the easy answer, I think. Yeah. Which, you know, Occam's Razor in some cases... But also, in other cases, it could be that we are just applying what we want to be the story. 
So we can talk about all that. 508-996-0500. Let's see if this caller has been patiently hanging on. Good. No, hold on. I'm going to put this one up. Hello. Good evening. How you doing? I just wanted to get to you first. I hope I don't hijack your show because I wanted to give you an update. Oh, well, we had people in our YouTube chat room hoping you would call in with an update. Okay. The update is earlier in the week. I found out, as my luck would have it, um, my lucky number happens to be two, I was told by a psychic. So I don't know if you remember the prizes, but I won the second place prize in that um, guaranteed sweepstakes. Mm Mm-hmm which I don't know if you remember what it was, but I'll refresh your memories. $220 million plus a C-Class Mercedes. Uh, a- what date I'm going to receive it, I don't know. Um, I spoke with the gentleman from the Justice Department today. Uh, over the past week, he had been trying to locate the third-place winner, which I don't think he located, which uh, when he called me today, uh, he was, he was going to originally send me... Uh, $250 to cover taxes and registration on the sweepstakes. But he told me now he's going to be sending me a debit card with a PIN. So I think I might have won the additional $105 million that they couldn't locate. So I could be looking at $325 million plus the Mercedes. It just seems like there's a lot of uh, hoop jumping to be done here to get this money. Um, well, uh, there's a lot of paperwork uh, because they have to deal with the internal revenue. They have to deal with the Federal Trade Commission. They have to deal with... Um, uh, it's and, and this guy is doing it step by step, and he's making all making sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. And, and I told him to take his time anyway because I have been ripped off by the FBI and Homeland Security for the past three years. So if I have to wait another week or another two weeks, it's not going to put me out. Let's just take a step back for the, to the beginning of this. You know, normally when, when people win Publishers Clearinghouse, they want to show up at your house with a camera crew and a, and a big giant check. Well, that's if you pick the public delivery. I did not choose the public delivery. I chose a private delivery where they would come to my house privately. No news media would be notified. And uh, the vehicle that would be delivered would be on a plain flatbed, which is the way they're going to do it. They're going to come to my house. There's going to be no media hoopla. They're going to come. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the gentleman representing the Justice Department is also going to accompany the delivery. And what I'm going to do, since I love surprises and, and to surprise people, um, the day of the delivery, I will make an appearance at WBSM, and there will be a great celebration there. Well, listen, we're we're looking forward to it. I just, I just hope that uh, when, you know when it happens, we'll we'll know. We'll I guess when we see the Mercedes pull up, we'll know it's you. Oh no, I I I won't be coming in the Mercedes because everybody knows that I'm getting a Mercedes. I'm going to be coming in something different. I just think it's weird that they're giving you $300 million and they still feel the need to give you a Mercedes, too, at the same time. Uh, well, see, I guess that's part of the package. So just it's like, like, a, the, like a sponsorship like, from Mercedes, kind of? It might be, because just like the guy that won the first place, he's getting $500 million plus a Mercedes C-Class. So... I, you it know, seems like I a lot know. of money for Publishers Clearinghouse to be able to give away. People well, just don't read well, magazines anymore. Well, you see, the thing of it is, 
myself and the other two people have been burned by the FBI for over, and it started, I guess, with them with notification from Publishers Clearinghouse. So, so I think, so I think Publishers Clearinghouse wanted to kind of like reimburse all of our trouble. So, if you've had all this problem with with government agencies, just to be clear, so we put this out there, none of this money is coming from those agencies. So, it's not American uh, taxpayer money that's being awarded to you. No, no. It's all it's from not, Publishers So this mistake, this whole hoopla that's been going on is costing Publishers Clearinghouse essentially a billion dollars. I would say so. Between and, yourself and the other winners, yeah. I would, uh, right. And, and like I say, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how they got the money. But you see, they're initiating a thing right now, too, where they're going, uh, their thing with the with – because the, uh, they, they advertise on TV – uh, something like uh, twenty five thousand a month for life or something, because I've seen that advertisement on TV, and that's I think that one's like with a public delivery. But you can probably, if you want, you can get that at a. And of course, you got to enter to win. So somehow they're getting money. See, I don't even uh, know. I don't know why they would have the option of a private delivery, because for them, the whole reason they're giving away the money is for the promotional aspect of doing so. Well, so, you know why they have a private delivery because. As soon as you get that money, everybody knows who you are if you go public. Right, but the reason they're and giving you myself, the money is for the promotion yeah, but, for themselves. Yeah, but you see, myself, I don't, I don't want everybody to know, to see my face, because I have a lot of friends that have also, they haven't really won big sweepstakes, but they've been in the public eye and they've been shafted even more than I have been by the FBI and Homeland Security over the past three years. They, they have been uh, harassed and property vandalized and other things over the past 10 or 15 years, and they're still being harassed today. And they've even had their identity stolen and everything else. Well, have you ever gone to the lottery's website, the mass lottery website? Uh, no, I'm not a, I'm not a very uh, computer literate. In fact, oh. I, got, I got a computer approximately a year or so ago, and all I do when I go on there... Even though I have an email, I don't even check my email. All I do is I look at real estate that's up for sale, and I, I want to thank you for the tip on that island. That looks uh, like a possibility. Oh, that'll certainly keep people from knocking on your door. Oh, absolutely. Well, unless they come by boat. Right, and then you'll know they're coming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, like I say, I, I didn't want to – I hope I didn't hijack your show. No, people were asking I, for an update, so I'm, I'm glad that you called in. Okay, and uh, I and I also want to commend you for what the work you've done because I've been listening to BSM for the past couple of months where Taylor has left and everything, and maybe I could put up with the hours if I was maybe twenty or thirty years younger. But to do it now, I don't even think I'd want to try. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. <laughs> if I was twenty years younger, I'd feel better about it too. But yeah. Okay, well, like I say, I, I commend you for all your hard well, work, thank you, thank and you I, for that. I and I always commend BSM for their honesty in reporting. Just remember that when you buy Town Square Media, just remember my hard work. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, Tim, I won't have to buy it because I'm going to have lawsuits with different people there, and in the lawsuit is going to be Town Square Media, so I won't even have to buy it. Well, It'll we'll, be through a lawsuit. Let's leave it at that. I don't want to get into trouble with my with my company here, with my employer, so we'll just, well, we'll just you, leave it there. Well, you won't, because it, if, I, if I win, which I should, 
you won't have to worry about a thing. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, okay, Tim, you guys have a great night. You as and, well. And uh, like, like I say, I hope I didn't steal your show. Nope, not at all. Okay, you have a good one, though. You too. Take Bye-bye. care. And, uh, yeah, no, he, he, he butts heads with some of the other hosts here, and, you know, I, I tell them all the time, like, hey, you know. Different people have different, yeah. you know. The audience wants to hear. They want an update on it, you know. So I give, uh, I give our audience what they want to hear. And speaking of what they want to hear, I think Moni's, we didn't have a show last week. Uh, you uh, were yeah. out in the field uh, both last weekend, uh, last Saturday and Friday night. Correct. Uh, you guys were working on that BFRO event. Correct. First of all, before we get into all the nuts and bolts of what happened, just how how the events go? It went well. There were eight people that came and signed up for it. We, we had them going around to uh, various locations in the Bridgewater Triangle, um, you know, everywhere from Bridgewater, Freetown State Forest, um, you know, behind the dog track. Um, we ended up doing um, a couple of nights out at Betty's Neck in Lakeville. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, there was a really good Class A sighting there in 2014. And uh, I was able to obtain special permission from the police department in the town to be able to be out there after dark doing what we were doing so ticket tony didn't harass you at all is what you're saying basically everybody around this area knows ticket tony yeah so well basically thank you Lori, uh who's then the night manager at the police department uh i was able to inform her what we were doing and we dropped off some bfro stickers and various other things and let them know that we're going to be out there uh doing some recording and and things of that nature but we were able to get out there if you've ever been out there, beautiful location uh, out uh, between Long Pond and um, uh, I'm trying to remember Asawamsa Pond. Asawamsa, yeah, right? I'm trying so to if you're, so if you're if you're going through uh, if you're driving down Route 18 through yep. Lakeville heading toward New Bedford, uh, like toward like if you're heading like toward Quiticus area, yeah, it'd be on your it, left. It it would actually be no if you're if, coming, you're heading, if you're coming from New Bedford, it would be on your left. Oh, I'm if thinking you're coming, coming from, from where, yeah. If you're coming from Lakeville, heading toward New Bedford, it's be, that body of water on your right. Yeah. So basically, the road, Route 18, bisects yeah. these two ponds. And uh, beautiful location. And uh, we were out there Friday night, and it was getting towards the uh, end of the evening. <laughs> and it, it was kind of funny because we're, we're listening for wood knocks and, you know, whatever hoots and hollers we could here uh, using the thermals to scan out in the field in the wood line seeing you know the deer feed out there and uh it's a big open sky over this field and um <clears throat> excuse me uh, one of the guys was looking up and is like whoa um, what and he points up in the sky and up in the big dipper right in the bowl basically of the big dipper this big bright flash it, it lit up you know brighter than landing lights and then slowly dimmed out and we're like whoa that was weird and you could barely see this faint light slowly move and then it lit up again moved zigzagged in another location lit up again and after about third or fourth you know really bright power up type of thing that we're looking at we realized that's not a helicopter that's not a plane 
definitely not a satellite because satellites take approximately 90 seconds to move from horizon to horizon and they travel in a linear arc so this thing's moving around it it basically flashed or lit up about five separate times inside the bowl of the big dipper at various locations so So it was it was following a a zigzaggy type path so what what it would it would it zig to one spot stop pulsate zig to another stop pulsate yep basically and it wasn't it wasn't straight like going here and you know following mm-hmm. a path it, it it reversed it back on its path went you know above it below it around it you know and it followed basically a zig roughly east to west i mean west to east trajectory but it wasn't in a straight line and we just light up and we were watching it for about five minutes a true quote-unquote ufo a light that we could not identify what it was we know it wasn't lanterns it definitely wasn't any form of aircraft because of its extremely high altitude it wasn't a satellite because like i said satellites take 90 seconds and we were watching this thing for at least five minutes and it slowly just traver- you could see it at, when it lit up and after it faded down faded down you could still see it and it moved and it light up again, move, light up again. Sometimes it would move back and forth and then light up again. You know, we had eight trained observers. One of them was a um, former Marine uh, aviator. You know, it was like, I'm trained to look at all of this stuff. That isn't anything I know of. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and we had several other former mill uh, observing it. And a uh, couple of other guys that are definitely trained observers. And we all agreed you know, that's not a satellite. That's not an. We rolled out everything we could possibly could, man-made, and we definitely know that it was up there. Any We're, any reports of uh, anybody else reporting the same thing? Uh, yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I ran into somebody else the following day. I was starting to explain, and uh, she was talking about what her brother was watching at the same exact time in the sky. So we've got an independent cooperation. I'm just uh, okay. Just going to take a look and see if uh, anything on the National UFO Reporting Center, if there's something similar. Which, of course, you know, you would think yeah. you would have put your report on there. No, <laughs> I was there, <laughs> but it was uh, it was one of those things that yeah, I may eventually put it back in. I got to get a uh, couple of the other guys that were out there waiting for their emails back before I make any type of official report. Because I don't want to put you know people's names out there without permission. So, so just taking a, a, a look here, uh, what would be the date on that if we knocked it back last Friday? Friday. So we're talking about the fifteenth, uh, twenty-one minus seven, fourteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth. So the fourteenth. So we don't have anything that I can see here for the fourteenth, but uh, we have one from the eighth from New Bedford. Uh, it lasted about four to five seconds. I observed a, fi- a single fairly large bluish oval pill-shaped object with a lighter bluish tint halo surrounding it. Well, I can tell you that that was probably... So the 8th would have been what day of the week? Was that a Saturday? Sunday? Uh, yeah, I was just trying to look up on the calendar. Because on the 8th, we did a show here, and uh, and I left the studio... And when I looked up over the 99, I could see um, Jupiter. 
Jupiter or Saturn? Which ones? Well, both of them are relatively they're, close. They're, the yeah, sky. they're both super close right now. But one of them is especially brighter. That would be Jupiter. You're, you're, you'd be able. So to if see I'm looking, Jupiter's if I'm moons. looking up over the sky, Jupiter would be here and Saturn would be here, right? Yes. So it was Jupiter that I was looking at. Yeah, because I pull out my my sky map app on my phone and it shows you where they all are and it was super bright and it had that bluish tint so i'm wondering if maybe that's what that report was from that person because it does look so when you walk out there it's the first thing you notice it's it's that bright i think it's starting to to be a little bit dimmer now but we have about uh six minutes left in the hour and we have a phone call so let's take that good evening you're on spooky south coast what's shaking playboy How hey you doing? what's going on lamone you look so different i thought you were the viral tim no, no. I, just, I do this every summer. Oh, really? Oh, oh, the summer started on the 21st. Oh, yeah. You know, now, two days ago before the summer started, it was like 106 degrees. Today it's 89 degrees here in Vegas. What's up with that? No, that's, that's perfect. Who wants to? Yeah, exactly. For real. So um, I was thinking, uh, I tried to call last week. I tried to get through, but I you didn't. It was, I guess it wasn't the show. Last yeah, we ended up having to skip it with some, with some tactical problems. Okay, and so um, so did you see what I said about Stephanie? She must be stuck on the Isle of Thermoscara. <laughs> actually, she's she's actually in Salem tonight with uh, with oh, Ty yeah. Gowan of Haunt Me. They were they were uh, they were up in Salem for something that I, Stephanie really can't talk about yet, but I think she will in the future. <laughs> okay, yeah, but she's she's gone. She it seems like um, uh, Elian Gonzalez spends more time in town. Than this she does. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was, well, am I going to old school? Yeah. That was, a, that was a, kind of a random reference there. Exactly. And one thing I wanted to ask all your listeners and everything, and, and Mr. Matt that's sitting over there quiet, quiet as a church mouse, when was the uh, last time you guys had Tutti Frutti ice cream? Oh, God. I don't know if I've ever had Tutti Frutti ice cream. The 80s. I had, mine was sitting 1977. I, I remember going with my mother and there was this girl that, uh, uh, have you ever heard of Mary Vincent? That would be a person that would be good for you to look at her story. She went through a lot of stuff, um, and she's still alive. She, oh, I don't want to say much about it because I want you to look at it, but she, my mother took us both to go get ice cream. That was the first and only time I ever had, had a Tutti Frutti, double scoops, two scoops for, for 25 cents. And so from the thrifty, local, local thrifty store here in Las Vegas. Also, there's another thing. You know, Lamone, I don't think I've ever gone to an ice cream shop and seen Tutti Frutti on the flavor list. Well, it's been a long time. It's been a very long time. And it's like, I'm, it's like am I talking about old school? Like, like Tutti Frutti. Like I said, so I did, we, we did Child's Play on Thursday. It was really good. Personally, I think it's, it has a lot more. It, it's not as it's like evil kind of like, but mm-hmm. it's, even, it's more more evil because it can spread easier. I don't want to say much about it. But, um, you know, like, it's hard to find a sequel, let alone a remake that's better than the first one. Right. I mean, only like, sequel, I think, like, a handful of sequels are better than the first one. Like, Pet Detective 2, you know, that that one, that was better than the first one. Oh, Ace Ventura? Uh, oh, that, oh, oh, yeah, yeah the, the Rhino yeah. scene alone, sure. Oh, yeah, that's Chicago. That was off the chain. And so, oh, the watch shoots you the fighters. Yeah, so but that was off the hook. But also, um, Terminator 2. That was better yep, than that's, the first that's, I would say, Godfather 2, usually people will say is better. Um, <laughs> that of opinion. You know, that's, like, that's my opinion, too, yeah. Aliens. So that, that, mm-hmm. And also, like, what about, like, um... Evil uh, Dead. Uh, Evil Dead. I don't know. What about, like, um, uh, Die Hard 3, Die Hard with a Vengeance? Uh, I, you know, I think that that, 
I don't know. I think I still like the first one the best, but it was just different because he was not tied to one building. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yes. It is a Christmas film. It is a Christmas movie. A lot of people don't think of it like that until they look at it. So, he, so that black guy was correct again. And so, <laughs> see the BFRO I think I'm talking about Afros. You know, black people. You know, <laughs> no, you know, I'm going to make sure I call in today. All right. All right, Lamar. I think we're going to have to let you go because we only got a minute left here before the news. But thank you for checking in. Are you doing w, uh, Weekend World today? Are we doing uh, we do we do have a Weekend Weird coming up uh, in the next hour. Uh, we'll be playing that in the next hour. I don't think we'll be able to do the video, but we'll we'll add that in later. Oh, hell bells! So I wanted, to, like I said, I did get talked to about last week, but I wanted to find out about your some of the, your you know callers or some of your clan that I wanted to do something nice for and things like that, maybe send them posters or something nice like that, something right, well, special for them. Sure, we'll come up with something. All right, thank you for the call. i got to let you go because we're on <laughs> the, the clock. Take, is there. Bye, Take it easy. Bye, <laughs> <laughs> he said bye to Mr. Abney there. I don't know if you caught that, Mr. Abney, in the chat room before uh, before I had to pot him down. So we are up against the news break here. We will take a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk about We'll have the week and weird for you, of course, but we're also going to talk about what happened with Profile Rock, and that will kind of lend into the kind of the, the bigger story about the legend versus the truth that we're talking about tonight. We'll take your calls on that as well, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420, if you want to call in and chime in. We'll be back with more Spooky South Coast in just a bit. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? you love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz, both the silent assassin Matt Costa and Stephanie Burke, off tonight. But we are here to talk with you about the paranormal. We've been talking about some different topics over the course of the first hour, but uh, the main thing that we're discussing tonight is how history and haunts, or history and any kind of paranormal activity, you know, sometimes they jibe, sometimes they don't. Mm. And and does that make a difference? And and we'll talk about one of those things uh, coming up in just a few moments because we had uh, a tragic local story that happened this week. If anybody out there is familiar with this area and familiar with the Bridgewater Triangle, if you've seen if you've seen the Bridgewater Triangle documentary, you will definitely be familiar with the name Profile Rock. And sad to say profile rock is no more 
There's there's no more profile in the rock after what happened this week. So we'll we'll get into all of that. If you want to check out the story, uh, we have it up at wbsm.com. You can see the story that I wrote a, a few days ago, but it's it's a very tragic loss for those of us here in the area to lose something that is part of our, you know, part of the South Coast's yeah. identity. And something that actually means probably more to the Wampanoags of the area, too, which we'll get into uh, kind of all of that, all the history of that. But what we'll do now is uh, we will, Matt Blystein has a new week and weird for us. And uh, as I said earlier, you know, without Matt Costa here, I'm a little bit technically challenged to be able to bring the video from the week and weird to the live stream, but we'll add it in into the video later on and we'll put it up separately on the spooky South coast YouTube channel as well. So you'll still be able to see it later. Just won't be able to run it for you live, but that doesn't mean that we can't have you hear it. So we'll do that right now. We will go to the week and weird with Matt Blystein. In a world where the paranormal is just a breath away, we're spanning the globe to bring you the best in paranormal news. This is the Week in Weird. Hello, and welcome back to the Week in Weird. Our first story is about Dracula's balls, or at least his cannonballs. A team of archaeologists in Bulgaria have discovered ancient cannonballs they believe belong to Vlad the Impaler. The stone cannonballs were found in the ruins of the Zhistova Fortress, located in the town of Shvistov, near the border of Romania. Vlad's army attacked the fortress in 1461, when it was held by the Ottoman Turks, and researchers are all but certain that the cannonballs belong to him. It turns out that Vlad's balls are smaller than you might expect. They would have been fired via a culvern, which was a precursor to the musket, rather than from an actual cannon. Vlad the Impaler is, of course, famous for being ruthless in his conquests and often impaled his enemies on a stake. Tales of his cruel methods of torture spread throughout Europe and eventually inspired Bram Stoker to write his famous vampire novel. From Amazon to Grubhub, the internet makes it so that anything you want is never more than a few clicks away, even witchcraft. Some enterprising witches in Romania have recently begun offering their services via video chat sessions as well as on Facebook Live. One such witch, Cassandra Buzea, says that how a witch communicates with her client has no bearing on the success of the spells. It's the magic itself that they conjure which produces results, regardless of how the session is carried out. The internet has allowed the witches to expand their businesses, and they're now able to perform spells for clients in other parts of Europe, Asia, and the United States. An online tarot reading will cost about 60 bucks, but for a love spell, plan on spending several hundred dollars. And of course, they accept PayPal, or your firstborn. Our last story is about a new sports craze that's sweeping across Russia. It's called competitive slapping. The rules are pretty simple. Two opponents stand inches from each other across a small table and take turns slapping each other in the face until one either quits or passes out. The championship was recently held in Krasnorsk, Russia, and the winner, Vasily Kamatsky, 
took home 30,000 wounds, or about $466, as his prize. Not to be outdone, the Russian women have also entered the sport, but with a slight twist. In the female version of the game, two women take turns slapping each other's butts until one is forced to step forward or falls over. The first ever booty slapping tournament was held last week in Moscow. The sport is sanctioned by the Moscow Sports Ministry, but there's no word yet on if booty slapping will make its way into the next Olympics. After her victory, the newly crowned booty slapping champ Anastasia something Russian said, quote, my ass was red and blue from the spanking that I took. Which is probably how Brad Marchand and the Bruins felt after the spanking they took from the St. Louis Blues in the Stanley Cup Final. And that's it for this week's installment of The Week in Weird. I'm your host, Matt Bleistein, and I'll see you next week. He had to do that. He had to take a shot at the Bruins. I'm going to try and adjust this back. Gravity. Didn't work. <laughs> Hold on. There we go. I think we're good. Try and put Moniz back on the screen there. If you really feel you must. Well, I don't want to be on the screen the whole time. That's why you have to be. Ah, uh, got it. So now if I just tilt that down a little bit. Move it a little closer. Making adjustments on the fly. There we go. Yeah. So that was the weekend weird. Thank you, Matt Blystein, for that. Even though you did take a shot at the Bruins, I don't care because I'm not a hockey fan. But there might be some hockey fans out there that have their feelings a little bit hurt by that. And he loves that stuff. He loves taking digs at New England sports. Why? Because he knows that we are better. It's all just Patriots jealousy. That's what it is. If you say so. All right. Yeah, I know. Moniz doesn't, doesn't follow sports. So uh, we do have a caller on the line. 508-996-0500 is the number. We'll take this call, then we'll get into some some discussion about Profile Rock. Good evening. You are next on Spooky South Coast. It's me, fella. Oh, no. I, forgot, I forgot to tell you. Um, okay. Well, two, there's two things I forgot to tell you. All right. The guy, they said that um, Big Poppy wasn't uh, an intended target. Yes, he was. He was intended target. That's to keep them from getting getting put to death and getting killed because that's why they said that. And plus, we also missed out on a future guest. He just died, uh, Bushwick Bill. Remember we talked right, about I, him? I would have liked to have had Bushwick Bill on, but yeah, he did pass away. And so we so we were talking about that, and like I said, and I had tried to send out and we tried to get in touch with him before, you know, afterwards. And and you know, when I said that I, I'd like to see by getting him on as a guest, he said, "Sure, bring him on." And he never returned my phone calls. His, his son told me that he was like really sick. Did anybody check to see if Steve Huff talked to him already? You know what? I I, I, don't, I think Steve Huff doesn't really talk to black people <laughs> unless they're um you know like you know Michael Jackson was was part you know he was black even though he looks like he wasn't. Like I said, but I think that's the only thing, only way to go. Somebody like that, you know. I I think Steve Huff's got problems like that. You know, hey, as long as he's not trying to get contact me, right, at least well, my phone's not not publicly listed. I don't think so. I know you still haven't you still haven't accepted my Facebook request. Oh, I haven't got. Remember, I told you I do it. In, I, that's right. You're not the only person. I am so horrible with that. I'm very bad. I got like probably like four hundred. You, you need to make your own days. fan page, Lamone. We'll get we'll get you quite the. Uh, Quite the following on a fan page if you make one of those. Well, I you know I just will. I just think I, I should because, like I said, it's be, it's it's so hard being constipated in Sin City. <laughs> living, exactly. Living life and taking the right. You know? uh, all right. You I have a good night, Lamone. And, and I'll give Matthew too. You know, your quiet Matt right over there, silent Matt, 
No, he's 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 out tonight. So. Oh really? Well, okay, that's fine. That's why we're having video problems because I'm trying to handle it. Do you know where Themyscira is, right? Where what? You know, you know where Themyscira is. That's where Wonder Woman's from. When I said that about Stephanie Sloss on that island, (laughs) you know, that makes a lot different. Themyscira. So, like, what? No, my cover girl, no Themyscira, not not Muscara. Okay, so all right. Take a lot, everybody, and I can't watch the program. I'm trying to listen, but I can't listen because you won't come in correctly. But I'll try to listen anyway. All right, thank you. You you have a great night. Are you doing tomorrow? Are you up next week? Are you working day showing time next week? No, we should be here next week. I mean, are you this week coming? Are you doing any Dave shows? Oh, oh, any Dave shows? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Thursday and Friday this week, I'll be hosting Midnight in the Desert. Probably call you Thursday because I, I'm going. I'll be doing. I forgot what movie it is. We're doing Thursday night. It'll be a start at ten. But I'll probably call you about nine ish or so before the movie starts and let you know what's going on. So Sounds good to me. Know, you know it'll be me. All right. All right. Take a life, Playboy. Take listen, it easy. Listen, like I said, watch out. So you, like I said, Dave Ortiz. Like I said, how could you not know who Big Poppy is? All right. I, I'm just. I'm, I gotta just pot him down. I love the fact that Lamone never takes it personally either when I have to hang up on him. <laughs> but I just have to, because sometimes he just he gets wound up and he doesn't kind of unwind. Well, I, I I'm with him. I don't buy that they didn't know it was Big Poppy. Well, I am not a sports fan and I loathe baseball. And even I know who he is. But but he also had his back to the person that that shot him. And uh, I would I would honestly say that I I it doesn't sit right with me that it would be a hit on David Ortiz when For what. For eight thousand dollars, like that was what they were. But, but what would be the purpose of? Well, it? there's. Uh, I don't want to get into that speculation on the air, but there's oh. there's speculation that he was involved with somebody's significant oh, other that he shouldn't be it. kind of thing. Yeah, gotcha. But I don't think you would. I don't think anybody would try to take out the, one of the most beloved people in the Dominican Republic for eight thousand dollars. By the way, there was ten, twelve people involved in this. So you divide eight thousand dollars amongst those people, like you're going to get less than a thousand dollars to try to take out. I mean, I don't know how yeah. they, I don't know if they were gonna divide it, you know, democratically or not, but but you know what I mean. It just there's there's weird aspects about that that uh that I don't know if I buy into. So there uh, I don't know if that's Lamone calling back, so we'll just we'll just move forward with the discussion. Uh so to this past week, as we had mentioned, uh, Profile Rock, which is in Freetown, Massachusetts, it's Freetown State Forest. Right. And within that is uh, what was called Profile Rock Park. Yes. And the name of the rock, the official name of the rock is Joshua's Mountain. Yes. Because originally the property was owned by a Joshua Tisdale. And so Joshua Tisdale was the, the first person they could trace this back to. So they named the mountain after him. There's no record of him you know ever referring to that himself but that's just kind of where the name came from joshua's mountain and they would refer to the face as the old man of joshua's mountain now for those of you who aren't familiar in new hampshire they had a similar geological formation natural rock formation that looked like a a face coming out of an outcropping of rock they called the old man of the mountain and so i think this was probably somewhat tied to that same idea you know the old man of joshua's mountain because if you looked at this rock there was definitely the profile uh, looked like a person's face if you go to say the wikipedia page for profile rock you'll see a 1905 postcard an image of that postcard with the way profile rock originally looked Mm -hmm. and so what happened was and i don't all the spray paint 
Right. I don't know. This is another thing that we're talking about with where did the legend come from? How much of it is based in history? The way that the story has been presented over the years is that the Wampanoags revered that site because they thought that the profile in the rock was that of the great Sachem chief. For those of you that don't know, Wampanoag chief is Sachem, but the great Sachem Massasoit. So when they looked at that profile, they saw the profile of Massasoit. So this became a very important spot for them. Now the legend, again, legend has it that during King Philip's war, the generals that were in this area, so Anawan and some of the other generals that were under Metacom uh, or King Philip, mm-hmm. Metacom at Metacom, King Philip, whatever you want to call him, the generals working under him would climb to the top of Profile Rock and send smoke signals back to King Philip's throne on Mount Hope in Rhode yep. Island. So they would get to this point because it was kind of one of the highest elevations that they could get to, and they would go back and forth with their smoke signals. So this was a site that was supposedly known to the Native Americans and and revered by them. Now, over time, and we don't know if that's true, if they really thought that it was Massasoit, if that's something that, you know, just became part of the legend. But over time, the face started to erode. Just natural erosion. Uh, there were, from what I understand, there were some instances of uh you know people trying to chip pieces of it off but for the most part it was natural erosion that kind of changed some of the features so it became less and less resembling of a face over over the last at least 20 or 30 years if you go to our story at wbsm.com we have a photo from the 2008 you know what what it looked like in 2008 and i did a side-by-side comparison shot of what happened the other day. So the story came down uh, Wednesday morning, I believe. Yeah, Wednesday morning at about 9.22 in the morning, the Freetown police get a call to go out to Profile Rock. So they head out with the fire department, and there's um, Park Department, uh, Mass um, uh, DCR, Department of Conservation and Recreation, I believe. So they're, they're out there with some of their agents as well as the the police and the fire department and some of the park rangers for a report of recent damage to Profile Rock. Now, by recent damage, you would think, you know, something happened that was significant to have all those people get called out. It's beyond significant. The entire profile is gone. The entire face inside of that rock collapsed and smashed, and is now lying in a pile of rubble all around Profile Rock. And the report just said that it was recent damage. So we don't know exactly what happened. Speculation starts to abound that there was vandalism involved in this. I don't know how that could be possible, uh, but that was what the original kind of speculation was. So I reached out to MassDCR, and I asked them spe- specifically if there was vandalism involved, if they think there might have been vandalism, and I did not get a straight yes or no answer to that. Now, looking at it again, and the more that I've thought about it over the last couple of days, it definitely seems like it could not have been vandalism. 
as much as there had been damage in recent years to that rock, we're talking about you would have to push this boulder over. You'd have to use dynamite. Or heavy equipment. Right, which you're not getting heavy equipment up there. Yeah. Uh, Maybe you could have brought something up to the rock and maybe like tied a rope around it or something and then yanked it down. But you're not going to get heavy Mm. equipment up there. No. Because it's a path that you're following to get up there. Well, you would see where the equipment would have gone. If That's true. There would have been track marks yeah. and tire marks yeah. and all that. So there's nothing going up there and doing that. Well, by the way, we don't know if there was any because they've shut down the area. True. and They won't let anybody in. So point being, it's a really, and, really, really big rock. And if, but so the the initial speculation was, well, you know, they would have had to dynamite it. And if they had dynamited it, then people would have known. Not necessarily, because it's kind of in a remote spot. There are some homes in the area, but we see it every day on Facebook where people are like, did anybody hear that big bang here or that big bang over there? Plus, we're at the time of year when there's fireworks. Plus, there's you know people that still hunt when they're not supposed to out of season in that area. Well, there is hunting that is done at night. In particular, right? But I don't. I don't think we're in any season right now because it's like, well, yeah, you can. Everything's hunt, too young. No, you can hunt coyote year round. Okay, night. so maybe maybe that's what what's going on. But you know, people are always asking about these big bangs, so people don't really give them a second thought necessarily. Sometimes, uh, but look, I looked at the photos. I didn't see any evidence of any blast damage. Uh, so I, but I still asked DCR pointedly for the news story. You know, can you rule out that it was? man-made damage and they wouldn't answer that question so the only thing that they would tell me is that they may be calling in specialized geologists to try to figure out what happened if they felt like their report wasn't conclusive so the bottom line though is no matter what happened the face and profile rock is gone there is no more profile and profile rock so for any of you who have the chance to actually see it you know consider yourself fortunate um you guys from the BFRO were out there Saturday, Friday and Saturday during the day. and The week before? No, this last week. Like, yeah, no, this is Saturday. You mean, you mean last, so the week before it happened? Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So they, they were fortunate enough to just get out right. there just in time. Uh, it's, so this is something that the, the South Coast area is known for. This is something that brings in tourists from other places and this is something that meant something to people not just in the paranormal community but outside of it too but you know it also meant something to the paranormal community this was a place where we talk about bigfoot there was a lot of bigfoot sightings that have happened in that area mm-hmm. there's been um you know a lot of native american spirits seen in that area and that would make sense if they did revere that rock as being massasoit you know, some of the sightings are that Massasoit himself has been out there, that King Philip has been seen out there, that Anawan has been seen out there. A friend of mine is the one who actually introduced me to Free, the Freetown State Forest and uh, Profile Rock had a, what he called a Native American uh, sighting. He was like, he thought it was somebody dressed in, you know, Indian garb going to do something and the guy disappeared. Um, so... And, and I learned about that in the early 80s. And we actually had one of our first, you know, I guess, viral, spooky South Coast things 
that happened when we when we first started doing oh, this show. Yeah, we we were out there and uh, we went out there to kind of mess around and and you know take some photos and actually, if I remember right, was it the same day that we that we went to the Freetown Historical yes. Society? So we went yes. there first to take some photos and um, just kind of checking it out and looking around. And we got to the top of the the rock, and there's all these little outcroppings, and on one of the outcroppings is just this pile of fresh fecal matter. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to figure out, like, how did a dog get its legs on this little tiny outcropping? And then we realized, like, no, it, it wasn't a dog. Yeah. It would have had to have been a human being hanging over the other part of it, which, by the way, like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't care, like, if I'm being dared, if I'm drunk, what have you. Like, I am not putting my back to, uh, what would you say, like 30 foot 40, high? Yeah, 40 yeah. foot straight down. I would not put my back to a 40 foot drop and bend over to, to take a dump onto a rock. Like, I just, I think the vertigo alone would be too much for me. But, uh, yeah, we couldn't quite explain how it would have gotten out there. So we, we, ref- we put, it up a, put up a photo of it on our old message board, <laughs> which, uh, if you ever want to check it out, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com. And use the Konami code. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. If you go to SpookySouthCoast.com, plug in the Konami code. You guys know what that is. If not, look it up. Then you'll be able to access the former message board, which is a treasure trove of stuff from 13 years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can see, like, we, we put up the photo. I don't know if the photo's still there, because I think the website we used to use to host our images <laughs> went down a decade ago. But um, we refer to it as the paranormal poop. And it became kind of a thing. And like people wanted us to make t-shirts. <laughs> that almost, we almost decided to rename the show. No, I'm just kidding yeah. about that. Although no, it's, it's not too late. We still could. No, it's what it's become. <laughs> but the, uh, the, yeah, the message board is always fun. And there's a lot of stuff up there about Profile Rock. So yeah, go to SpookySouthCoast.com, plug in the Konami code. And you know, you know what that was. You used to use it when you're playing Contra and all those games. So the... Uh, but that's kind of what we're talking about, too, with the idea of you only have to have little tidbits of the truth for this actual legend to pop up. So we have this legend that's been created about Profile Rock based on the fact that people say that it was a Native American being Massasoit in the profile and the fact that that rock would have been around during King Philip's War. So when you have those two factors, that alone starts to give you enough to start building this story so we don't know if the native americans actually use that you know there's no nothing that i've seen that's historically proven that that was the case it's just the story that people tell and i know and i've referenced this before but i've already come under fire from some wampanoags for sharing some of these stories on the air that they don't really like me talking about their history and their legend but you know i will keep doing so until somebody from their tribe decides to come on and tell the stories yes because it's it's they say it's not my story to tell and they're right but the history has to be shared uh so that's just one of those things where just a little bit of that can start to foster an entire history so the real question then becomes how much do we need to be truthful always want to be truthful we always want to be truthful. but how much of it do we have to be tied to how much of it has to hinge upon the history when we're checking out certain places? Well, 
number one, a lot of the stuff we're not even really truly sure what the real history is. Right. So, especially when it comes to say King Philip's War. Right. You know, we're finding out to this day that there's stuff that we don't know or that we've been told incorrectly about King Philip's War because you know history is written by the victors. And in our case, the victors had good reason to not want to promote the truth about the Native Americans because and and what we did to the Native Americans. I say we, you know, being pejorative, the the, the European settlers that were here at the time. But you know, they would have a reason to want to keep some of that stuff under wraps. And then you you get the work of uh, somebody like Nathaniel Philbrook, who you know like you know, love him or hate him, people have different points of view on his work but he's brought a lot of stuff to the table about king philip's war and about what it was like to be a native american dealing with that and the way that you know they they felt like the the natives kind of fought that war the way that they would fight any war against any other tribe whereas the english were supposed to have you know these these rules of engagement that they would follow if they were fighting any other enemy but they would abandon those because they felt like the Native Americans weren't worthy of that. And then you want to bring in, add into the mix that you have Native Americans who became the praying Indians that had converted to Christianity and were joining up in arms against their brothers. Like, there's, there's a lot that's going on with that, and a lot of that is stuff that we didn't know 30 years ago, 20 years ago. You know, it's stuff that's been coming out as more and more people have dug deeper into what king philip's war was i've said it before on the show i had never heard of king philip's war until we started doing this show because i wasn't taught about it in school and part of that was because the school curriculum didn't spend a lot of time on history pre-1776 u.s history and briefly touched the french French Indian War. A little, stuff. you get a little bit of stuff, but we never talked about King Philip's War. We never talked about, you know, the truth about the Pilgrims. We got the sanitized, you know, Plymouth, Massachusetts tourism campaign version of mm. Pilgrim history. And so, like for example, like not a lot of people know the truth about Squanto. You know, they feel like Squanto was this great benevolent presence that was there to to help the English, and extend his hand in friendship. But Squano wasn't some Native American that just happened to be walking along the beach when he saw the Mayflower show up. He had already been kidnapped and taken to England as a slave. Yes. So he had already been to England. He knew who the English were, and he knew what they were all about. So when he saw the ship coming, he knew they were trouble. And now as we've gone over more and more history, it finds out he probably was working as a double agent for Massasoit. That he was there to kind of, yeah, he was helping them, but he was also gathering information to bring back to Massasoit. So these are all things that we found out as we have continued to go on with history. And with that, uh, you know, we're seeing fluctuations and changes in some of these legends. So then now do we have to change what the paranormal aspect of it was because we know more about the true history? You know, it's 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 hard to separate one from the other because we make these automatic leaps in logic that, you know, things are related. I, how many times have we heard people say, oh, well, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've visited the Mayflower before and felt a presence on the Mayflower. It's a reconstruction. It was built in the 1950s. Yeah. But 
that doesn't mean that there isn't a presence on the Mayflower. Mm-hmm. It just means it's probably not a pilgrim, especially since the Mayflower probably was never even in that spot. But uh, we get some calls here lined up. Let's let's pop them on. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? The Mayflower 2 was built in the 50s. Right. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen or heard anybody talking about it, but I've been thinking about it since yesterday as I looked more and more at those pictures from the Profile Rock from that photographer from Florida Herald. Mm-hmm. Is it possible, or has anybody brought it up where you were talking to on the official level, lightning? Uh, I Again, I didn't see any kind. I would assume even lightning would leave some kind of burn marks on on the rock. Oh, tracks. Yeah, yeah. But I don't... Um, on, on an unrelated but very serious issue, uh, the accident last night in uh, New Hampshire, well, just before 8 o'clock tonight on Route 18, just north of uh, Walnut, where the lights are there at the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, motor- single motorcycle, male in his mid-30s, real bad scene. I went down there and I, I lit the first candle. Some people said they were giving him... CPR before the ambulance even got there. Well, we don't. Yeah, I, I mean, Phil, you yeah. know, we don't want to. We don't want to bring any unconfirmed yeah. reports to the air. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we do have Put an email. Prayers, yep. We do have, and we do have an email into the police department to find out more information to get something on an official level. Yeah. But uh, thank you for for sharing the info and and thank you for uh, putting out the good the good thoughts and prayers. Hopefully, Absolutely. hopefully it turns one, out brother. well. You as well. Have a good weekend. You too. And uh, yeah, we just got to be careful when we're yeah. on the air with information. There's been a couple of there's been a couple of accidents that have happened over the course of the weekend. Um, just stay tuned to WBSM.com is what I'll say because we're we're waiting for some official word on on a couple of things and and we will update it. That's what happens though. You know the time this time of year, you know it's summertime. We usually have some some things that go on on the roads this time of year that we we have to be careful with, especially today with. You know the the wet weather. Yeah. You know the storms that kind of just came out of nowhere. That second one, second yeah. wave that came through. Oh, how'd you like all that lightning? Yeah. Well, the first lightning I f- slept through. Like I heard the thunder, and uh, but I was on my couch napping, so I didn't really. But the second storm that came through was, it was pretty intense, and it was you know just a ten minute yeah thing, which you know I I I tend to like those storms. You know I like those ones that just come. I wish every hot summer day would have a thunderstorm that happened in the middle of it to break up the heat and humidity Move before the Florida. evening comes in. But that also causes problems. You know, like this accident could have been wet roads that could have had something to do with it. Again, I don't want to speculate. We'll, we'll wait for the official word. Well, if you want hot weather interrupted by uh, punctuated thunderstorms around mid to late afternoon, Florida. Yeah, I don't want to live in Florida. I've, yeah. I, I visited there for two days. That was enough. <laughs> I mean, I might go back again next year for... For the broadcast again, but you know, I'm not. I'm not looking to relocate to Florida. Yeah, I had to go down there every month for training things for a number of years. And surprisingly, you never turned out to be Florida man in any of those news reports. Nope. So, <laughs> a Florida man was a Massachusetts man from that was saying in Florida. Uh, took a bath, ate a bath bomb, and chewed off somebody's face. Uh, there's another call on the line. It, it may be Lamone. I'm not sure. It may be. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hey, how you doing, pal? Good. How are you? This is all about uh, supernatural stuff. Yes. And yep. Everything, right? Yep. Paranormal talk. My mother lives in a house here in South Dartmouth. Her boyfriend 
was a uh, um, uh, he used to work for the steamship authorities. He was he was gone for maybe three days at a time, and I went over there one night, and we're sitting downstairs. This particular house was set up. It had a downstairs and had an upstairs, mm-hmm. and. I'm sitting downstairs with my mother having a cup of coffee. I hear this upstairs like boom, 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 like somebody's running upstairs. I says, Mom, did you hear that? She says, yeah, oh, yeah, I did. She says, that's my little friend. She keeps me company when I this away. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, my my mother, my actually my, my wife at the time, she wasn't my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend, and she says... Did you hear that? I said, yeah, I did. And we went upstairs, and there was just one particular door. I don't know why it was set up this way, but uh, it, it had, like, cage in front of it and stuff like that. And uh, and my wife told me one day, she says, you know what? She says, I saw her. I says, you saw who? She says, I saw her. I saw her, the one that's been running around all night, and she said she looked like about a thirteen-year-old girl with 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 uh, like a long white fraggly dress and stuff like that. I says, "Oh yeah, she did," and I'll never forget that as long as I live. And you said the door had a had a cage on it. Yeah, it had a cage on it, like like, like bars. Yeah, with with hmm. like something that you would lock somebody into. But it was a but it was the door going into the room. No, it was upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just had this particular door on it, and uh, I don't know if she was locked in there or what she was. And and I didn't see her, but my wife saw her. My wife said she was about thirteen years old, four, thirteen years old, you know, twelve or thirteen years old. And, and and she had this like uh like this long friggly white ground on ground on and stuff like that. Yeah, but it was really it was really kinda strange because when you're downstairs and you you're trying to have a cup of coffee with somebody and you hear somebody upstairs like running like bam 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 bam. So I'm like, oh, what is that? So I just, I, so so this, I just want to go back to the idea of the door for a second. So you said, this, so it was the door that led to the upstairs. No, the door was upstairs. So the door was upstairs. Yeah. And but w- what was on the other side of the door? What do you mean by that? Like you're saying there was a door with a cage on it. You mean yeah. it was? You yeah. mean it was just a door that was like sitting there again, like leaning against the wall, or was it a door to another room? No, it was a door, just a door, just leaning against. The, okay. The, the, so the, it was know. it was probably a door that might have been on another room at some point. It yeah, was well, just being stored yeah. upstairs. Okay. Well, what about the running? And, and when you're downstairs and you hear this running, like across the, the second floor story, like bam, bam, bam. No, bam, no. Bam, my bam. my one my thinking is the same thing of what you were thinking is you know at some point was this was this spirit. Whether it was when she was alive or even after, she, were they trying she, to use that door to contain it? Right. Well, my question is, um, what what happened behind that door? What, uh, what, exactly. Why, you know. Right. I mean, that's that's where I find it to be interesting because, like you were saying, was this girl kept locked up somewhere? Yeah, or, I think so. What I'm wondering think- is, 
was this spirit kept up locked locked up locked up somewhere did well, somebody know if, about if this she, if she was if she was a spirit then apparently she was kept up up there locked up behind that door and then somebody took the door down and now she got loose yeah so you got to figure out what room she was kept in and put put that door back on that on that room and then maybe you won't hear that noise anymore mm. well i'm not there anymore but I'm 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 just telling you my experience. Well, it's, it's it's very interesting, especially because, like we say, we, you know, we, we don't know if it was either way. It's 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 terrible if they kept a living person locked up in a room like that. But yeah, and my wife, my wife, my wife saw her. Well, she wasn't my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend, which became my son's mother. Something something happened to that girl, uh, and, and, and they locked her behind that door, you know? And then I kept hearing this, like, I'm, I'm, I went over to visit my mother, and uh, and she was like, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm downstairs. There's a do- there was a downstairs, and there, were, there was an upstairs. And it was right here, right in, in Dartmouth, right, right on, on uh, uh, I think it was Stackhouse Street. And... Uh, I'm sitting there with my mother, and I'm hearing this like boom, 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 like somebody running across the the, the top stairs. I'm saying, "Mom, do you hear that?" She says, "Oh yeah, I hear it." She says, "But my mother took it lightly. She was like, oh, that's my friend. She keeps me company.'" I says, "Oh, really?" <laughs> well, thank you very much for for calling in and sharing the story. Yeah, well. It was. She said it was like a little girl, about thirteen years old, or so, or so like that, with a with a with a with a long white gown, and I guess that was the spirit. You know, it sounds like it. Well, uh, yeah. again, thank you for sharing. Okay, thank you, sir. Have a great night. You too. And of course, the phone lines are always open at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. If anybody else has had a similar story, but uh, you, you get what I'm going, where I'm oh, going yeah. with that, Moni, yeah. is like, yes, it might have been that they kept a, a living girl locked up in that room, which would be horrible, but maybe they also tried to use that as a way to kind of contain a spirit. Now that that door is taken down, that's why you're hearing this thing run around upstairs. All right. There's a house that we investigated. Ooh. And we've still been going back and forth there, you know, the Sam West house. Mm-hmm. I just uh, saw Katie last Saturday. Ah, well... One of the stories being uh, that w- there was a young girl that was kept in one of the closets up there. Okay, as she was, um, this is, like I said, again, whether this is actual history or this is just lore. Just, yep. This, you know, so the story goes. Right. This is where, where this comes down into. The, the story says that a girl was kept in the, the closet area because... Um, well, back in the day, they used to have people that had mental uh, illnesses and mental disabilities. They used to sh- shut them in, mm-hmm. you know, that, which is unfortunate. You know, thankfully today we have much better treatment, but back then that was something they did do. Right? You know, the, this is not disputed. We know they did do stuff like that. Now, is this really what happened, and why there's somebody, you know, haunting the third floor of that house? You know, but yeah. So what this guy's story saying is, it's not unheard of, right? And uh, and I think that 
we hear stories about that too, where if you make a change that can cause more activity to happen. So maybe even if it wasn't so much that it was containing a person or a spirit, just the act of taking that door off, Mm. whoever did that, you know, could, could cause an issue. And I think, I think we probably have more stories like what that gentleman just shared from this area than we'll ever know. Mm. Because we've been doing this show for 13 years now. And in that time, we've probably taken maybe less than 100 calls from people that actually share their experiences with us about what goes on. Now, we've heard more when we've been out there, you know, actually giving lectures and talking Mm. to people and doing events and all that, just being out in the community. But that's a small percentage of the amount of people that have heard this show over the years. I'm talking on the local airwaves. You know, not just the matter of with the podcasting and with with the kind of the international audience that gets to hear the show on the internet, but just looking at the local audience, you would think that there would be more stories of people sharing more stuff like that. And I think part of that is as we're talking tonight about the legend and the history kind of separating itself from the paranormal, it can be separated from the paranormal. We have all this great history in this area, but there's a almost a purposeful suppression of the paranormal around here. Oh yeah, it's you're dealing with old swamp yankees here. They don't Swamp Yankees is part of it. Uh some of that puritan yeah. ethic uh some of that puritan uh mindset remains. Yep. We also have the Portuguese culture which they don't want to talk about that stuff. Ah, nothing yeah. to say there. And we have the uh, oh we have a lot of uh European settlers in this area that will talk about it, but will feel like it's 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 bad luck to talk about it, or that will feel like it is you know they don't necessarily look at it as being a haunting; they look at it as being you know other type mm. of entities, um, not dead people. Uh, you know whether it be you know, I, I've said this before. In Ireland, you have the leprechauns. Here, you have the puckwudgies. Are they really that different? You know, they're, and, and, and other cultures have similar things to the Pukwudgies. So we have like a, a real, for lack of a better term, melting pot here mm-hmm. of different cultures and different belief sets that are all mixing together and are kind of all pushing themselves down onto these paranormal stories. And I think with the rise of the Bridgewater Triangle, through the documentary and more people talking about it and the work that we've done here on the show over the years on it. I think through that and through paranormal television shows and more paranormal media, we're starting to see people become more and more comfortable about sharing these stories, but we still haven't really gotten a lot of like the reports here. Instead, what we get a lot of are, are like, you know, people that are telling us, well, my house is haunted, but I think it's my grandmother or, my house is haunted, but, you know, we know that it's the former owner. There's not a lot of the historical side of things that we're getting enough of here. And if you talk to somebody like, you know, Lou Jolly, who's out there investigating all the time with Wailing City Ghosts, they're finding those stories. Right. They're finding those, those instances in their investigations, but just not something that people are either aware of or are talking about. So that's part of the, the problem that we have here is that, and the other thing, too, is 
we have a tendency, and I don't know if it's just a New England thing, if it's just a South Coast thing, or if it's even just an American thing, or if it's something that happens worldwide. We have a history to a tendency to kind of make up history, like we make stuff up with no verification, and kind of let that ride. Like what we're talking about when it comes to kind of figuring out the paranormal side of things, we just do that straight up, even if there is no paranormal activity happening. Like everybody in this area that has a basement that has a weird section or like uh, something that might have used to have been under the stairs when there used to be stairs over there. Isn't but that where moved. everybody buries their bodies? No, that's the Underground Railroad. Oh, oh, yeah. Every person seems to have these connections to the Underground Railroad. Now it's possible because you would have had to have had a lot of homes that did have yeah. Underground Railroad stops because you couldn't get them as you're ferrying people through the Underground Railroad, you know, you can't have two or three or four miles of open travel. So you would need to have a lot of homes that would have that possibility. So it's it's entirely possible that it's true. But there's people that are out there perpetuating that without having proof that their house was part of it. So just anybody that has a weird section of their basement, which might have at one point been where they kept... Uh, coal or whether it might have kept wood yeah. or maybe they just had to reinforce something and so they they put up a an odd beam somewhere or uh you know there's all these different reasons why it could be why it is but everybody jumps to that underground railroad conclusion so it's just part of what we're talking about here where the story can sometimes just be a story and not have any factual basis uh, we are just about out of time for this week's show. I just want to let everybody know, remind everybody that uh, coming up in a few weekends, it'll be the Ocean State Paracon, uh, July 13th and 14th. If you want to come out and check it out, then all you have to do is go to riseupparanormal.com and you can get your tickets in advance. Uh, it's going to be a phenomenal event. It's going to be for a fundraiser for, I believe it was Friends Way was the name of the organization. I, I just don't have it in front of me. Uh, but it's all, every, t- every year the Ocean State Paracon is designed to raise money for some different charity that is Rhode Island-based. So that'll be happening in a couple of weekends. You can come on out and see that great lineup. Rise up Paranormal to get tickets. And then also coming up in September, out in Western Mass, the Mass Paracon will be happening. And if you go to massparacon.com, you can get all the information and the tickets there as well. But they just made an announcement. Not only am I going to be there, not only is Stephanie going to be there and other great people like Jeff Belanger, John Tenney, John Zaffis, all these great folks that will be out there. But they just announced this week that Scott Porter will uh, be part of it as well. And the new season of Haunted Towns just debuted last night. So uh, you can come out and talk to Porter all about that uh, coming up in September at the Mass Paracon. So go to massparacon.com to get tickets for that. And then the other thing I want to make everybody aware of, next week on the show, we're going to be joined by some special guests who just had a big announcement today, some folks who, some paranormal investigators who made a pretty significant purchase. They bought The Conjuring House. Mm. And they made a page for it on Facebook. A Conjuring House Facebook page which leads me to believe that they're planning on having investigations and events and things like that happening there. So we'll get the inside scoop on that coming up next week. We'll find out more about the Conjuring House and what the plans are for that and how this all came together because I'd be interested in hearing the story about how the sale happened, how it was even proposed, 
what all the ins and outs were of making this deal happen and then what the plan is going forward. So we'll talk about that next week here on the show. If you want to get in touch with us at any point during the week, spooky crew at spookysouthcoast.com is the email address. You can follow us on Twitter at SpookySC. You can follow us on Instagram at Spooky underscore South Coast. And of course, you can follow me on social media at Tim Weisberg pretty much everywhere. Uh, that you can follow somebody. That's where you'll find me at Tim Weisberg. You won't find Moniz on social media because we can't get him to do it. But um, I still have a Netscape email address. That's all right. What does that tell it you? Works good on your Motorola Razor phone. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Razor is way too advanced for him. And then uh, we we also you know you can find Stephanie and Matt uh, Costa on there as well. So until next week, we hope that you all have a great week. Until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.